All right, everybody. Uh, here we are for episode 70 of Now Showing with Mike and Wayne. Uh, this week we are going to talk about westerns and our love of them um, and why, you know, it's one of the kind of classic genres, if you will. Uh, many things can be done with inside inside this genre. There's a lot of uh, horror westerns, action westerns, comedy westerns, uh, some dramas, obviously, as well. Uh, so there, we're going to talk... Hey, don't forget your spaghetti western, Dave. Yes, yes. The who could forget the spaghetti westerns? Uh, classic. Um, but we're going to talk just briefly about we each pick four that we kind of want to talk about. So we're going to go through those. I'm going to start off. It's a combo because there's a sequel. Uh, it's Young Guns and Young Guns Two. Uh, these are two westerns that I grew up on, um, and probably as as is with a lot of the other movies we've talked about in the past. I grew up mostly on Young... Like, I probably watched Young Guns 2 first, which is easily the more exciting one, um, where Young Guns is a little more serious. But it has a great 80s slash early 90s cast to it. Uh, the first one, uh, directed by Christopher Kane, written by John Fusco, starring Emilio Estevez, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Dermot Mulroney... Casey Samasco, Terry O'Quinn, Jack Palance, and Terrence Stamp. Uh, just a great cast when you, you know, think of like a Western. Like that's something that you definitely, uh, I think at that time you were like, oh my God, like this is going to be a fantastic movie. And it was. Uh, Young Guns, you know, it's kind of the the start of the fun Western, I would say. Right, Wayne? Um, where everything yeah, just became, it just became entertainment. You know, Young Guns 1 and 2 are just meant to be enjoyable. They're not meant to be taken super seriously. Billy the Kid is a really fun character that Emilio Estevez plays. His whole gang and how they uh, how they tie both movies together, you know, because the fact that Billy the Kid is a real-life person who was, who was gunned down when he was younger. So they had to kind of, like, work this whole fictional story around him. Like, what if that, you know, what if things change? Kind of like an alternate... Uh, reality type of movie um and this is I, one of the first fun westerns like you know i don't want to say lighthearted, but stuff you could laugh at a little bit it's like, yes yes like, like dead serious you know fight to stay alive type thing you know, i think rough life out old cowpoke black like me exactly and it for me it reminds me uh another one that i really that i have on my li- my long list of westerns uh silverado that was another one that was really entertaining. And I think it, they both came out around the same time. So that was the new style that they were going for. Um, and it works. And, it, you know, it works so mu- It worked so well the first time that they went and they made a second one. So, you know, Young Guns 1 follows Billy um, and his criminals as they kind of die one-on-one, you know, as, they get, as they're trying to complete their mission. Um, and then Young Guns 2... We kind of figure out most of them have actually survived their wounds from the first movie. And then that leads up to what is supposed to be the the final bout between him and Pat Garrett, played by um, the dude, William Peterson. And Pat Garrett, in real life, is the guy that uh, killed uh, Billy the Kid. In the first movie, it's played by Patrick Wayne. But in the second one, it's William Peterson. Because that's where that story kind of centers um, where Billy, you find out that Billy the Kid himself is the one telling the story of what happened to Billy the Kid. Uh, as a not-so-hidden Emilio Estevez is the old man in the beginning telling this story to um, 
oh, what's his name? Uh, from uh, Billy Madison and uh, West Wing. Uh, what's oh, of course it doesn't have a seriously. Oh, there we go. Young Guns too. Um, I want to get his name because every, he's pretty. I think everybody will know who he, who I'm talking about. Christian Slater also comes on for the sequel. So again, I've mentioned him a lot. If people know me, I'm a huge Christian Slater fan. Uh, so that was definitely a uh, a uh, bonus for me. Uh, Viggo Mortensen also in uh, Young Guns too. That I don't recall. I'll have to watch it again. Bradley Whitford is who I was talking about. He's like a reporter doing an interview with an old man telling him about the Old West and Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. But really, as you, if, if you're an eagle-eyed fan, you can tell it's it's uh, Emilio Estevez in old man makeup. Um, this the second one. So we move. We kind of move on to the second one here. Even I think even more like of a rock star movie because it was really sold on its music, which Bon Jovi ended up uh, having a huge song in, and then also it was nominated, I believe, for best song at the Oscars. Um, Blaze of Glory, which, I, did it win? When, let's see, released. Maybe it didn't win, but it was nominated. So, you know, a little kind of uh, history of that movie. And it, that one is, um, I, 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 I probably say it's my favorite just because it's more entertaining. The first Young Guns is, is a little bit more of like, we don't want to go too funny. The second one, they kind of lean into that a lot. There's a lot more quippy one-liners, and uh, you get this really uh, good relationship between uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, uh, Chavez's character, and Kiefer Sullivan's character. They're kind of like best buds. Uh, so there's lots of cool stuff in that. There's been talks of them making another one. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen, but I, I will be uh, there and ready to watch, even if it's a complete disaster. Um, but yeah, so Young Guns 1 and 2, a high recommendation for me. They're again. They're not serious westerns, so don't think you're going to watch something like Unforgiven, which we were, we are not going to talk about Unforgiven on this episode. But Unforgiven is a classic. It's not something like that. It's just a lot more fun and entertaining. Um, all right, Wayne, what's your what's your uh, first one you want to get out get out there? All right. Well, if we're talking about westerns, we're going to talk about the Duke himself, John Wayne. And when you think about John Wayne westerns, uh, McClintock exclamation points. Got to get the exclamation point in there is probably one of the greatest Westerns, or at least in my opinion, his greatest rule. Little synopsis here. Uh, wealthy rancher G.W. McClintock uses his power and influence in the territory to keep the peace between farmers, ranchers, land grabbers, Indians and corrupt government officials. Starring John Wayne, Maureen O'Hara, Patrick Wayne, Stephanie Powers, Jack Crucian, Chill Wills, what a great name, Jerry Van Dyke, <laughs> Yvonne DiCarlo, Edgar Buchanan, Bruce Cabot, Strether Martin, and quite a few other notable names. I don't want to go through them all, but uh, just from the names you heard, some of the greatest acting legends, um, obviously Maureen O'Hara and John Wayne have been a handful of films together more than that. But, you know, when you think about McClintock here, just the, uh, the, the iconic, you know, essence of what John Wayne was, his portrayal of just the everyman, the, uh, the hardest nails, the, I don't really have emotions. I just do what needs to be done type thing. 
And, uh, you know, I think, I don't know, feel free to disagree with me, but, you know, John Wayne, the range wasn't as, you know, broad as a lot of other actors out there. I, I would concur, and I am, I'm not a big John Wayne fan. I have not seen this movie. Um, I will probably watch it, though, based on your recommendation uh, from picking it this week. Um, I kind of need, that. I guess, a list of like his best, because I don't really want to go through all of his movies because I'm not a huge fan especially and I get you know times have changed but hearing how the kind of person he was I really not as big of a fan so I but I do want to watch a lot of his movies because obviously when you think westerns you think John Wayne and I I consider myself a big western fan I know people are like oh well if you haven't seen this and you're not that's people gate you know gatekeeping the the genre which I don't appreciate so um of course but yeah I just so that one's a good one. So I'll watch this one. Um, and then if, yeah. at some point, Wayne, yeah. if you could shoot me over GW. some other good ones. <laughs> yeah. GW or George Washington McClintock, obviously John Wayne. You know, he's excited for his, his daughter, uh, Becky, to come home from school, I believe, university. And uh, he's actually waiting her return. And surprisingly, his estranged wife comes back. And uh, she uh, makes it a point that she's not there for them, she, for him. She's there to basically take her daughter and take her back to the capital city or the state capital with her. And then a lot of other things happen, you know, cowpokes, rustlers, uh, settlers. So, you know, not almost call them land grabbers, but, you know, people moving out west. You know, go west, young man. Haven't you been told California is full of whiskey, women and gold, like the old Toby <laughs> Keith song? And, uh, you know, it's just kind of he's a well-respected. So yeah, basically between between his wife, headstrong daughter, and the crooked land agent, and the thieving government Indian agent, GW tries to keep the peace and do what is best for everyone. So yeah, nineteen sixty three. Uh, you know, obviously it's a black and white classic. I don't know if there's a colorized version or not. I'd obviously go with the unaltered black and white version. But yeah, classic John Wayne Western. Highly uh highly spoken of, high, highly revered. All right. Well, I like I said, I'll have to give it a watch. Um, all right, so for my next one, and this one is in the Spaghetti Western era, but to me it's one of my favorites, um, and probably always, I would say, considered the one of the best, if not the best, from that era, and that Before is... Before you get started, why do they call it a Spaghetti Western, Kirky? Uh, well, usually it, it's derived right because they film them in uh, Italy. Yes, sir. And that's where they made, like... A million of them. If you've watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or any movies of that era, they talk about them and actors would just basically go over to Italy, make like seven movies and then come home. It was like a quick way to make cash for like a six month period. Um, It's really kind of interesting when you look at how many there are and how many actors repeated in some of the same movies over and over again. I mean, it's how Clint Eastwood started his career, essentially, um, or how he got famous. He did so many of them. And then finally, the one I'm going to talk about, the good, the bad, and the ugly, hit. And that one became like the, oh my God, like this is a movie above all other movies when it comes to that genre. And he just, they took it to a whole nother level. Um, And I think, I don't don't think there's anything that tops it. When when you're talking about Spaghetti Westerns, I know other people have other opinions. There's still some I haven't seen, so I have to watch a few of the other ones to kind of you know, settle on that opinion. Um, directed by Sergio Leone, starring Clint Eastwood, Eli Wallach, Lee Van Cleef. Um, those are your three. That's the good Clint Eastwood, the bad, um, 
Lee Van Cleef and the ugly Eli Wallach. Um, I believe is how it. Let's see. Lee Van Cleef, classic Western bad guy. Yes, or maybe he's the ugly. Actually, sorry. Uh, yeah, he was a great Western bad guy. He's also we talked about um, uh, Escape from New York. He's also uh, one of the not bad guys necessarily, but one of the anti Snake Plissken fans <laughs> in that movie. Um, he's the one that sends him over there. So basically, Clint Eastwood. Um, here we get to the plot real quick. Uh, in 1862, during the American Civil War, a uh, mercenary known as Angel Eyes interrogates former Confederate soldier Stevens, whom Angel Eyes is contracted to kill about about Jackson, a fugitive who stole a cache of Confederate gold. Learning Jackson's new alias, Bill Carson, Angel Eyes kills Stevens and then his employer Baker, so he can find the gold himself. Bandit Tuco Ramirez, unfortunately here played by Eli Wallach, who's great in the role, but he's not a Hispanic person. He is Jewish. Um, this he, I actually um, noticed, too, he's also the Hispanic bad guy in uh, The Magnificent Seven. <laughs> so apparently this was something that he just kind of got pigeon-held in back in the uh, 60s. Don't let that distract, though. The movie is fantastic. It just becomes this kind of mono 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 movie because it's three three people all wanting their own thing. Clint Eastwood takes um, Eli Wallach's character and basically uses him to find Lee Van Cleef's main villain uh, to have this final... I haven't seen it in a while, so my, my memory's a bit sketchy on it, but to have this final showdown and where, of course, you know Clint Eastwood comes out victorious because this is the, his part of the uh, Man With No Name series. I believe this was the last one because there's fists full of dollars in for a few dollars more. Um, that's what kind of, I think, sculpted into this film. They wanted to give him like this kind of opus. The music, I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly theme is something that you still hear today. Uh, it, it's used in other westerns as an homage to it. People try to copy it. So there's a lot that was taken from this movie that was put into modern day westerns that I think people don't always realize uh, where it came from. And this movie is just so damn good. Uh, it's it's long. It's almost, I think it's like three hours. But it's well worth your time. I think it's on, it's been on Netflix lately. So it might still be on Netflix or it could be back on HBO Max or whatever. But it's a fantastic flick. If you, if you haven't seen it because you don't like old spaghetti westerns, I really recommend it. It's really freaking good. This, uh, is this the film where... Uh... Clint Eastwood's got the metal plate on his chest. Um, you know what? I'm gonna have to say I don't remember that. It might be. I know. It's, uh, I was gonna bring up the fact that you know, you know, it's a classic when uh, other movies like spoof it, like in Back to the Future Three. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, okay. It might be the one. Yeah. It might be the one. Um. Again, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I I, I can't say for sure for certain. Um. But yeah, it's such a really great flick. So I mean, if you Again, like I said, already said, if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out, and especially if you're an Eastwood fan. Uh, don't watch Cry Macho. Watch Good, Bad, and the Ugly. <laughs> All right, Wayne, on to your next one. All right, we are going to stick with the Clint Eastwood genre or motif, if you will. We're going to fast forward to 1976 with the outlaw Josie Wales. Missouri farmer Josie Wales joins a Confederate guerrilla unit and winds up on the run from the Union soldiers who murdered his family. Very interesting take because it kind of takes the Confederacy and 
I don't want to say makes them the good guys, but obviously the Union soldiers from the North are, you know, the ones that are after our main character and trying to hunt them down for killing his family. Obviously stars uh, Clint Eastwood as Josie Wales, Sandra Locke, Chief Dan George, Bill McKinney, John Vernon, Paula Truman, Sam Bottoms, Geraldine Kim, Keems, excuse me. And again, now the list goes on and on and on, but those are the, uh, the main headliners there. So, um, what always sticks out in this movie is just, it's the chase for me. You know, they're on the run constantly. They're going, they're going to be caught at every turn. They've got to watch their back. Um, obviously Josie Wales is teamed up with a number of, questionable characters the the young man i believe it is uh jamie played by sam bottoms is uh you know a hothead as well and just trying to keep him in check and it's it's very tense and it's a very dirty and gritty it it really encapsulates everything that a western is again only taking place you know during the civil war obviously so you get a little bit of history in there, in a sense that of the time period. So, kind of shying away from the western, if you will, but very much has all the western qualities, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did just watch this one too. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Uh, Clint Eastwood uh, gives a really nice performance in it. I did like to uh, John Vernon, who plays Fletcher, who is. Um, the guy that he's kind of teams up with after they kill his family or kill his kill his uh, was that his entire family? They killed his son and took his wife, right? Um, he then teams up with John Vernon to go find all the bad guys, but then there's the thing where he kind of Vernon has to betray Fletcher has to betray them, and then Fletcher becomes the man that's helping hunt down uh, Josie Wales. So there's yes. that dynamic. I really liked him in that movie. I thought he did a really nice job. And Sandra Locke, who was uh, with Clint Eastwood for quite some time, also in that movie as well. But yeah, it was uh, that's it's a fun one. It's 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 definitely different than some of the other ones that I've seen from him. It was a first time watch for me too. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that's a good one. Anything else you want to say about that one, Wayne? Before I move on, no, it's just a fantastic. Uh, Clint Eastwood movie so there are many westerns and it is uh, one of the best in my opinion Agreed. and I mean down, we could do a whole episode about Clint Eastwood's we could we could and we may have to at some point because I know we're not going to touch around some of the other ones that people are going to be like why didn't they talk about this one um, oh, like I God. said Unforgiven is oh, probably one of my favorites I, but yeah it just, so many there's, there's so many you'll see when I read off my list just how many western movies I enjoy all right, so there's two movies called Posse. We're going to review one coming up, but this one, uh, the one I'm going to talk about right now is from 1993. They are not similar. Uh, they're Like, the one from 93 is not a remake of the one from 75. They are different movies, uh, just with the same name. So this Posse stars Mario Van Peebles. He also directed it. Uh, it has uh, Stephen Baldwin, Big Daddy Kane, Charles Lane, Tiny Lister, Tone Loke, Blair Underwood, and Billy Zane, as well as, like I said, Van Peebles. Uh, Melvin Van Peebles, his father, is also in it. He kind of narrates it in the beginning. 
Um, it is mainly about black cowboys, which is kind of the theme of one of the movies that we're going to be reviewing coming up here. Uh, so this one starts out, I'm not sure which, I think it's the Civil War. They're all, it's funny how they're all like around the Civil War. Um, in 1898, Buffalo soldiers from the U.S. Army's 10th Cavalry Regiment, led by Jesse Lee. So, no, it's the Spanish-American War in Cuba. That's what it is. Uh, obviously, I should have known when it's in 1898. But they, they were fighting Cuba in the beginning. I did try to watch this one. I just wasn't able to finish it. Uh, but this is one that I kind of, I used to always watch when I was younger. Um, it It's definitely a B-movie, but I love it. I love everything about it. It's it's gritty it's you know it's bad at times too but it's still a lot of fun uh the performances are fantastic Stephen baldwin is really good in this uh, it's just kind of he's the the lone like white guy of the gang um so he has got lots of good just crazy one-liners and stuff um big daddy kane is really kind of a badass in it tone loke um that was when he really kind of started acting back in the day so mario van people's plays jesse lee and he leads these soldiers of his on you know they're basically after the war kind of what happens in you know we see in heist movies you know they what are they going to do well back then after the war they became cowboys and a lot of times they became criminals or they would hunt people down become um uh, bounty hunters uh which i believe i believe is part of what they do as well in this film uh it's just it's got such a great mostly black cast uh great villains um it's great shootout scenes I'm trying to think. It's been a while. This is another one. It's been a while since I've seen it. But there's just so much great stuff in this film. Uh, it, I find it hard to believe that a lot of people don't know about it. But I think a lot of people actually don't know about it. Because uh, it was just kind of like just came out back then. You know, it, was, it wasn't It was obviously straight to DVD or straight to home video. But it was in theaters maybe for like a couple months. And then it came out on, on TV and home video um, back in 1993. I, I just think it's fantastic. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere right now. You have to rent or buy it. Um, but it's like three or four bucks to rent it. So if you're looking for just a quick, fun Western with Billy Zane and Mario Van Peebles, it, you, you could uh, uh, do worse, I think. It's a lot of fun. Uh, definitely worth checking out um, if you're into those kind of Westerns. So, one of my again, one of my personal favorites. All right, Wayne, uh, what's your next one? All right, we are fast-forwarding to 2003, Open Range, directed by Kevin Costner, writers Lauren Payne, and she wrote the novel The Open Range Men, and Craig Stroper wrote the screenplay, stars Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall, Diego Luna, Abraham Ben-Ruby, Annette Benning, Michael Gambon, Michael Jeter, James Russo, Dean McDermott, Kim Coates, <laughs> Sons of Anarchy Time. Much like The Godfather. So, let me break it down for you a little bit here. A former gunslinger is forced to take up arms once again when he and his cattle crew are threatened by a corrupt lawman. So, basically, Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner are um, rangemen. They, they run, they work as a team and a herding cattle basically across the across the country where uh, they come across uh, where they've got their cattle set up and whatnot they've got two hired hands uh moose as uh, abraham ben ruby and diego luna as button 
Um, they're told that they need to move their cattle along. They can't keep them here because Michael Gambon, as a Denton Baxter, is the corrupt lawman in this town. And uh, basically, he sends his guys out there to uh, rustle up the cattle and whatnot. They end up killing um, Moose and severely injuring uh, Button, Diego Luna's character. And uh, Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner ain't going to stand for this. So they take Button into town where Annette Benning comes in as Sue Barlow. And she's the, the nurse to the doctor. Her brother is the doctor. And they end up getting Button patched up. And along the way, uh, Kevin Costner's Charlie Wake falls in love with her. Annette Benning, and uh, it's very interesting. A great, great movie. Great cinematics. Great soundtrack. Um, they have this amazing standoff at the end where there's just guns blazing, everything's going on, and uh, it's very interesting take because it really shows the friendship and compassion and love that the two main characters, uh, Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner, have for each other. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we've been around for at least ten years. I believe they call that a decade. <laughs> so it's got all the it's got everything in it you know it's got a little love story in there it's got obviously a lot of action shoot em ups and whatnot michael gambon most people know from playing uh professor Elvis dumbledore in the from the third harry potter movie on through the finale yeah great but fantastic villain so all i can't right. say enough good it's definitely one of my favorites to watch. Anytime I can catch it on TV or anywhere, anywhere streaming, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and watch it. So, yeah, I you know that's another one, Wayne. I have actually yet to see that one, so I will have to. Uh, I got some I got some movies to watch. It's good we're doing this and get some nice recommendations. Um, watch range before you watch. Okay. <laughs> if I heard me say that, he probably beat me, but yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it's just one I've been meaning to, and I just haven't watched it. It's long. That's why I've kind of avoided it because it's hard to you know, it's sometimes it's difficult to find the time to watch something that's that's so long. Yeah. It goes fast. It's just like watching the uh, Schneider cut of the Justice League. It goes a lot faster than yeah. the actual runtime. All right, so my last one before we get to our reviews, and then Wayne's got one more as well, um, is from one of my favorite directors. And that is Quentin Tarantino. It's Django Unchained. It stars Jamie Foxx, Academy Award winner, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo who I say that only because he won for this movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Walton Goggins, Dennis Christopher, James Remar, Michael Parks, and Don Johnson. Also, Jonah Hill makes an appearance. Uh, so Django Unchained is about a bounty hunter, played by Christoph Waltz, who ends up purchasing Django from like a slave trade um, and then they set all the other slaves free and then him and Django basically go off bounty hunting and Django is kind of learning the um, the way of bounty hunting from uh, Christoph Waltz's character which is uh, Dr. King Schultz and it's one of those things like you know he was a doctor but then like bounties became a thing and he realized that he can make a lot of money off of being a bounty hunter uh, there's this great scene early on in the movie where him and Jamie Foxx are sitting in a in a saloon, and the uh, the sheriff of the town comes up to interact with them, and they come out and they shoot him, and then they walk back inside and and wait for the um, the marshals to show up, and then they show the marshals that they have a warrant for his body, dead or alive, 
and that they're going to take him with him. And it's very, Christoph Waltz is very smooth talking, but there's a lot of tension with Jamie Foxx's character because, and it feels like it's almost an allegory, an allegory of today because the fact that like Jamie Foxx feels like you could tell Django feels like he's going to be blamed for this because he's a black guy and it's when slaves were still a thing is when this movie takes place. So he is more uneasy about everything that's happening. But it all does work out, uh, you know, because he has the right paperwork and stuff. And uh, he ends up making Django a free man. And then Django stays on to be the bounty hunter with him. And the one condition that they basically, they hunt down the person that has his his wife, Rumhilda, uh, who they were separated when they were uh, put into slavery. Or they maybe they met when they were first slaves. I forget how they met, but maybe they were slaves together when they met and then they were separated. Um and it's just this like explosive modern day revenge film told about the 1800s. You know, it it's got popular music, it's got actors everybody knows, it's got explosions and violence and blood and guts and Leonardo DiCaprio giving a phenomenal villainy performance uh, as as Candy. Uh, he's just he's amazing. This you could tell. You know, you get an actor like that, and you, he knows the role. He knows what he's supposed to be and how evil he's supposed to be. And he played it so well. Um, was kind of, in my opinion, robbed that year. I don't even think he was nominated because it was kind of already determined. Christoph Waltz was going to win for best supporting actor. Um, he may have been nominated with him. I can't remember, but I'm, I'm not going to look <laughs> it up. Um, just cause, um, but yeah, it's just such a great, great movie. Um, I know not everyone's a Tarantino fan, but I, I, for me, it just—it's one of those things. I watched it uh, within the last year again, and I still love it. I love everything about it—the the characters, the the violence, the the action, the the um, the fact that basically most evil characters get their comeuppance, and you know, yep. uh, it it works out for the heroes in the end for the most part. Uh, it's just a I, really kick-ass movie, in my opinion. Sorry, Wayne, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? I just looked it up. Uh, DiCaprio was not nominated. Yeah, which is a crime because he was he was just as good as Christoph uh, as, as Christoph Waltz, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I'm okay with Christoph Waltz winning it, but I think that I think they both gave. I don't want to say career best performances because Leo is always on top of his game as as is Christoph. But I mean, people forget that like Christoph Waltz just won the Oscar like two or three years before this. So, because he won for Inglorious Bastards, so right. he did two movies with Tarantino, and he won the Oscar for both of them. So, it was just a, a really uh, cool thing to see it happen early on, and and what we see early on in Christoph Waltz's career, because we didn't really get to uh, like experience him when he was like a German actor coming up. We didn't. The, uh, Inglorious Bastards was kind of the first time we were uh, exposed to his uh, acting abilities. Um, so it was nice to kind of see him get recognized for two straight movies for how good he was in those movies. Um, yeah. So I I know I'm kind of rambling on, but if you haven't seen Django, check it out. It pops up on Netflix every once in a while. Um, well worth your time. Uh, Wayne, you want to go to your last one? Well, I'm glad that you uh, led with, this was your third one because it leads into my, my, or your fourth one, because it leads into mine as well. And uh, a lot of controversy surrounding this one with the, uh, the use of the N word. 
And um, what I wanted to talk about real quick was 1974's uh, Blazing Saddles. Um, very much a uh, comedy western starring uh, Cleveland Little, Gene Wilder, Slim Pickens, Harvey Corman, Madeline Kahn. Obviously, uh, Mel Brooks is in all of the movies that he makes. Uh, he is a director and a writer on this with Norman Steinberg and Andrew Bergman. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin, honestly, to really start talking about Blazing Saddles. Uh, it's I, I, This is something that I watched probably way too young and just giggled <laughs> and laughed. Really understanding everything that goes in into this, but uh, uh, Cleavon Little as Bart and Sheriff Bart at one point is the uh, the main character, and I believe um, he was not actually supposed to be the star in this. I believe it was supposed to be Richard Pryor. If, uh, it, yes, Richard Pryor wrote the movie with Mel Brooks, and right. at the time he was supposed to be the lead actor in it, but I, I don't scheduling conflicts or whatever. Because that was at one of Richard Pryor's, like where he started to get really busy all the time. Well, and uh, this uh, this movie, all of the stereotypes, if you will, uh, it has um, uh, gay people in a very um, stereotypical role for that that time period, at least. Yes. Um, also, free use of the N word as well. It does. It. That, just everything. And, um, it's, I don't know, it's really hard to talk about. It, it is, it can be. It's seriously probably one of the best comedies ever made, in my opinion. Yeah, um, hilarious. It's hilarious from start to finish. People need to, it's one of those things, it's difficult for generations past to start digging into stuff, you know, even from before we were born, and be like, oh, well, this is insensitive in this way. Like, Blazing Saddles is a complete satire. Like, the people that are the racist and the horrible people are the bumbling idiots of the film. The anti-Semites, the the homophobes. Those are the morons. Those are the bad guys. Those aren't the people you're supposed to be rooting for. When you laugh at them, you're laughing usually at something bad happening to them. Or like when um, Harvey Corman's character keeps hitting his head every time he sticks it out the window. Stuff like that. Silly stuff. Uh, So I think... You just have to kind of know this stuff going in, and then you'll understand what you're watching. It's never meant to offend people. I, I always hate, like, the the saying, like, oh, it can never be made today. I'm like, it can if it's made smartly. The problem is, is people don't understand how intelligent Mel Brooks was, or is, rather. He's still alive. Um, and... To do a satire like that, or like Spaceballs, or Dracula Dead and Loving It, you have to have a brain. And like he understood how to talk to people. He did it because it was controversial. But he did. But he's a supporter. He wasn't doing it because like he wanted to piss people off. He did it because he wanted to put it in people's faces and be like, "This is what we're fighting against. This is what is going on in society right now." And he kind of holding up a mirror to society, really, but by through a western. Which is interesting. Yeah. It just tells you how little had changed in that amount of time, right? So it makes me think of Gene Wilder's monologue when he's talking to uh, Sheriff Barge about. Oh my God! I, one of my favorite uh, scenes. Berated. He's like, "You got to understand, these are small town folks, salt of the earth. You yeah. know, morons. Yes, morons. <laughs> yes. Like, he says it. Ex- I mean, they tell you exactly what they're what they're talking about, right? Yeah. So it. All it the- 
Yeah, like you you hit it the nail on the head perfectly. All the, the the racists and the bigots and all that stuff—they're the bad guys. They're the ones that are yep. getting made fun of. Being shown, hey, look at this. They're 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 stupid, but yes. you know, doing it in a way is just com- committing genius, if you will. Yes, yes. Well, and that's just it too with the character Clavon Little plays. Like he is <laughs> one of my favorite lines is like, "You are so smart, and they are so dumb." Um, Baby, you are. Oh, talented. Yeah, so talented. That's it. You are so talented. <laughs> they are so dumb. Um, also, my favorite line is, it comes from Gene Wilder's character, though, is, uh, I was walking down the street, and I reach for the sky, mister. I turn around, pull my guns out. There's a little kid pointing his gun right at me. Threw my guns down, walked away. Little bastard shot me in the ass. Yeah. Crawled inside of a whiskey <laughs> bottle ever since. One of my favorite scenes in any movie. I love that scene. It is amazing. I don't know if I said it correctly, but that's it's just it's a fantastic scene. It's basically those two characters getting to know each other. And these two also uh, this is an incentive just the uh Oh, hey there. He's like, "Are we awake?" It depends. "Are we black?" Yes. Then we are awake. <laughs> but we are very confused. Oh god, there's just so there's so many. <laughs> the horse being hung. Oh god, the horse oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, in Mongo, beating beating the horse, um, mm-hmm. or punching the horse. Dom DeLuise and his whole, you know, where the plays uh, the uh, gay chorus leader, if you will, and yeah. all the Give him a push. Oh, there, yes, there is a lot of stuff in this movie, but it, again, it's not supposed to be taken seriously. All of it is basically satire. Um, so if you if you kind of put off watching Blazing Tales because you heard things or whatever, definitely check it out. It is well worth your time. Um, all right, let's get into our next. Uh, well, here, actually, no, take that back. I'm going to read off the list of all the westerns that I, that I like, and then uh, and then we'll get into our next segment. And I'm going to read it kind of like rapid fire. Uh, Unforgiven, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Silverado, Lonesome Dove, Appaloosa, The Wild Bunch, I love that movie, uh, Rosewood, The Hateful Eight, The Proposition is one of my favorites, uh, I did not talk about it today, it's with Guy Pierce from 2005, watch that movie, it's really good, Hostiles, The Outlaw Josie Wales, which we just talked about, uh, True Grit from the Coen Brothers, uh, not that I haven't seen the original, so I can't say on that one, Maverick, uh, the Newton Boys, The Magnificent Seven, Bone Tomahawk. Uh, a great horror western, Bone Tomahawk, with Kurt Russell. Really good. Tombstone, another great one with Kurt Russell. Also one of my favorites. We didn't talk about it. Love Tombstone. Uh, the Quick and the Dead, 310 to Yuma, the remake. I haven't seen the original. Dances with Wolves, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, The Revenant, The Homesman, Blazing Saddles, uh, which you just talked about, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Modern westerns, which to me is a Western story, but told through like police or detectives or, or something more different. That's not a classic Western, um, hell or high water, Yellowstone, which is a TV show, wind river, no country for old men, Copland, the three burials of Melchiedes Estrada, Logan, the Wolverine, the last Wolverine movie, Brokeback mountain, Desperado, once upon a time in Mexico, El Mariachi. That's a trilogy. The devil's rejects three from hell. Those are, sequels of, of movies those are another horror those are rob zombie horror films that are basically westerns uh get Don't the forget. gringo uh the last stand lawless and the rundown wayne what were you saying 
Don't forget Back to the Future 3. Back to the Future Part 3, of course, falls in there as well. Uh, there's just so many. In, you know, when I look up modern westerns, it'll be like, oh, Django and Bone Tomahawk. And I'm like, no, I mean, when I look it up, I'm looking for movies that are like Copland. Like, it's a western, but it's a cop movie. You know, based in, in modern time. So that's kind of what I... those. That's what that list was. Like, Hell or High Water is like a western, but it takes place... I don't think it's in, like, super, like, current time, but it took place in, like, the 80s or 90s or something like that. So that's what I mean when I say modern westerns. Um, yeah. There's so, two ways to build west. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> that that is um, that list. And we're going to move on to our next segment, which is our reviews. Of the week. All right, we got three for you this week. We're going to start off with the uh, big one here. Um, the Harder They Fall, which is uh, directed by James Samuel, and it stars Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, R.J. Seiler, Danielle Daniel Deadweiler, Eddie Gathigi, and Deanne Cole. It is an entire uh, black cast. Obviously, there are some white actors that work in there occasionally. Uh, it was released on November 3rd on Netflix. Um, it was, uh, let's see, I think it was written, written by Samuel Boziakin, also worked on the screenplay with James Samuel. Um, it's a Western that starts off with uh, a character killing a mother and father and then putting a cross on a young boy's like carving a cross into a young boy's head. And then we meet that young boy as a man, played by Jonathan Majors, who, can I just say, Wayne, I, I, this is not, I, even if you didn't like the movie, Jonathan Majors is going to be a star. This guy is charismatic as fuck. He was really, ta- he's really talented. This is probably the third or fourth thing I've seen him in. Um, he's, he's in the MCU now too. Uh, he just, it was just really fun to watch him work in this movie, I think. And I think at some point in the next year or two, he's going to be one of the top stars in Hollywood. So that's just my thought. Um, he plays Nat Love. And uh, Nat Love is kind of out for revenge. He is trying to find the people, because he's the kid that was parents were killed. So he's trying to find the people responsible. He knows the person responsible, who I don't know why I'm keeping it secret from you, but... Uh, <laughs> It is uh, Rufus Buck, played by Idris Elba. But he's led to believe that Idris Elba's character, Rufus Buck, is in prison and he's never getting out. So there's no point in hunting him down and killing him. Uh, So when he finally finishes off the last guy that's not Rufus Buck, he's like, all right, I can put this to bed. But, of course, the movie has other ideas. And uh, Rufus Buck is about to be broken out by his posse, led by uh, the wonderful uh, Academy Award winner Regina King. And, um, she and plays, she's good. yeah, she's really good. She plays Trudy Smith. That's his right hand. Um, and she's so good. And so is Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield plays Cherokee Bill, who is the, like the fastest gun in the West. And RJ Seiler is part of, um, Nat, Nat's, uh, posse. And he play, and he's like, he thinks he's the fastest gun in the West. That whole, how that whole situation turns out, Wayne, was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like, there were some things I didn't want to see happen, but just how it ends, I was like, oh my God, that's how I wanted it to go. Like, it was so, it was so, it was done so well with the fastest gun in the West type thing. Um, a little different than the normal 
And I, I like, I just like how, like he's Stanfield. I think, you know, we've seen him kind of grow too as an actor. Uh, just last year he was in Judas and the Black Messiah nominated for that. Um, him in this one, it's great. To, he plays the, the sharpshooter, basically the, the fastest gun in the West who doesn't want to kill anybody anymore. He's done with violence, but he will do it if he has to. So it, yeah. there's that caveat in there where he's just like, everyone put your guns down because if you don't, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to. Bank robbery scene was just fantastic. Yes, yes, it was. It was It was really good. Uh, that Yeah, it just there are so many good scenes. The The writing is, is pretty spectacular throughout most of the movie. Um, it it feel, the, the dialogue does feel a bit modern, but I think, again, they were going for like a Django-style Western. They, the music was all very modern. Uh, I believe produced by, J- the, I think the music's by Jay-Z. Like he did the soundtrack. Not that he is on the soundtrack, but he produced the soundtrack. Um, it's killer soundtrack. A really, a really great cast. Uh, Zazie Beats as um, Mary, who is basically the love interest to Jonathan Majors. Uh, she's really good as well. Um, you've seen her in Deadpool uh, 2, and she's also in Atlanta on FX. Uh, Delroy Lindo is the old sheriff that they team up with. Bass Reeves was really good. Um, Edie Gathigi, he was uh, from Twilight. He plays Bill Pickett. He's like the sharpshooter who can shoot people from far away. Uh, Daniel Deadwire plays Cuffy, who's a character they meet along the way. Um, So this whole movie is just kind of leading up to this big shootout at the end. We're not going to spoil anything what happens because it's a brand new movie. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Wayne, from the beginning, I, I, I kind of love this movie. I, I recognize that it's not a perfect film, but it was kind of what I wanted out of it right from the get-go. The Just the opening credits. Can we talk about mm-hmm. that for a minute? Do you remember that? I do. Where it's, because it's called The Harder They Fall. Just the, the, they, he, so he's shooting a guy, the last guy that he's getting revenge on. And then the title sequence starts popping up every time he shoots him. And it's always about which angle, like it pops up wherever the angle the guy is as he's falling to the ground. I thought that was spectacular. I was like, oh my God. Like right then and there, I was like, I love this movie. And I'm only like five minutes in. So You're hooked. Opening scene where the guy walks in on the pastor's family. It's like, hmm. yep. Yeah, it was, it, it really, it grabs you. It grabs you right away. Um, and if you're a keen movie watcher, you know exactly who is coming into the house because those eyes don't are too hard to Idris Elba's eyes are too hard to hide. I think, um, yep. but it, it's just it's such a really fun western. Again, it gets kind of to like the more made like today. I'm, I'm trying not to say modern, but modern day made western where they go for more violence and fun. There's a lot of blood splatter, a lot of action. Um, toward, especially towards the end of the movie. Um, there's a great uh, robbery scene with Jonathan Majors and um, uh, Cuffy, the, the girl that plays Cuffy. Really fun, fun scene. Um, but yeah, I just everybody I think is on top of the game. But like I said, my main takeaway is Jonathan Majors really came out shining on this movie, Wayne. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, no, it's just fantastic from start to finish. The entire cast. Um, obviously, you know, Damon Wayans Jr. So every time I see him, I, you know, it's like I have to do a double take. It's like, is that his father? Nope. Yep. 
uh, yeah, just it's great. The action and just the story, just well, I found it a not hard to follow, but I needed to really pay attention to what was going on because there are a lot of twists and turns to it, if you will. Not twists and turns, but just you got to pay attention to what's going on, or you can you can get lost in yes. where they are. Agreed, agreed, yeah. And there's, like, the Damon Wayne thing was funny to me, too, because he's at the very beginning of the movie and then he comes back a little later. But they just did a whole thing where they show you the entire cast of the movie and his name wasn't on there. So I was like, wait a minute. What? He's in this movie, too? So I'm like, oh, okay, so there's going to be cameos throughout. And there were a couple other, like, recognizable actors throughout the movie. But he was the main, like, cameo that I recognized. Um, and you see him early on too. So you're like, Oh, that's Damien Wayne's jr. But you're totally like, I just saw all the characters listed off and he wasn't there. Um, so that was cool to see him in there. Uh, it just, yeah. It, and that was at the beginning of the movie too. That's where we meet. Um, let me get their names right. Pickett and, uh, the kid. So that, that's a, it, that's like an intro. They do the a nice little intro to all the characters, uh, Pickett and Beckworth. So those are the two, like people that are left from his gang because most of the gang had, had dispersed by the time Nate or Nat, sorry, Nat finally killed uh, the final, what he thought was the final guy um, until he has to go after Idris. And there's, there's a huge, there's a twist at the end too. I don't want to spoil that. That was pretty good too. I, I really like that part of the movie. Um, so we're going to start this new thing too, Wayne, where we, we rate the movie out of 10 because we haven't really been doing that. Um, I'll let you go first. What would you give this out of 10? Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half. I was going to say a solid eight to nine. Um, yeah. So we'll I go with eight, eight and a half for both of us because they, that it's it's really good. It's it's such a good time. Um, and that's the thing. You know, movies are supposed to be entertaining uh, to a certain extent. And all movies are different entertaining. You know, some movies make you think more. Some movies are just about action and violence. And this is one about action and violence. Uh, and it's really uh, really fun one about action and violence. So... If you're looking for something fun to watch and you got, uh, it's, it is long. It's like two hours and 19 minutes. You got the time to watch it, check it out, pull up Netflix. Uh, as you can tell, we both liked it uh, a lot. Um, so the next one is another Netflix movie. And this one, we kind of like, uh, we're going to end on a Western everybody. Just so if you're wondering, but we're going to talk about this one first because it's a newer one. Army of thieves, uh, directed by Matthias, Schweighofer, who also stars, um, it is pro- it is produced by Zack Snyder because it is a prequel to Army of the Dead. And if you haven't seen Army of the Dead, then uh, you may not be interested in this movie, but that was the main reason I wanted to review it, because we already reviewed Army of the Dead. Um, this one stars Matthias Schweighofer as Ludwig Dieter, or in this movie we know him at first as Sebastian Schlecht Volnert. That's his original name in this film. Uh, Natalie Emmanuel plays Gwendolyn Starr. Ruby O'Fee plays Karina Dominguez. Stuart Martin is Brad Cage or Alexis Borschini. Uh, Gus Kahn is, is Rolf. Um, that's pretty much the main cast right there. So we find, uh, again, it's a prequel. So before the Army of the Dead is about a zombie outbreak. So it's kind of happening at the beginning of the movie. Uh, you're starting to hear news about a zombie outbreak. But Dieter uh, is making YouTube videos on how to break into safes. He's never actually done it, which is what we find out in this prequel. Uh, this is kind of the beginning of his safe-cracking days. 
but he's learned how to do it. He's just never put the what he's learned into action. Uh, there are some funny moments that kind of like probably wouldn't be real moments in someone's real life, but like Wayne, where he had like the safe at his house where when he was like 11 and he was practicing on breaking into it. Um, very interesting uh, backstory for the character, I'd say. So he then gets caught into like um, someone notices his YouTube videos. That is Natalie Emanuel from the Fast and the Furious movies. And she brings him to this competition or gets him into this competition. Yes. So one person that watched his video and commented on Yes, exactly. Uh, Natalie Emanuel, you also know from uh, Game of Thrones as Miss Sandy. That too. Uh, that that show. People may have heard of that. I, you know, I didn't want to, I figured Fast and Furious, you know, it was, it was more oh, popular. Yeah, I didn't want to remind people. Um, yeah, okay, so... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> never forget, you can ruin a, uh, an entire series with one bad season. Yes, you can. Um, so he then competes in this competition, which he knows nothing about, doesn't even know it's a competition until he's like in the middle of it. Um, and he ends up winning. And he ends up being their... She picks him to be their go-to safecracker. And he gets to put all his training and stuff in. There's these four safes made by this uh, German guy who created all these safes that are supposed to be impossible and impenetrable to get into. And he thinks he can break into all of them. And that's their goal. He's in it for, he's not in it for the money. He's in it for like the history of it, for the, be like the, the one person who did it. Yes. And each of the safes has a, uh, a story behind it. It's based off of something, some kind of historical or literary, uh, literary story of some kind. Yes. So. Yes. And, I'm uh, gonna tell you, I enjoyed this movie so much more than, uh, army of thieves. <laughs> I, 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 I really, really enjoy this whole thing. So sorry. You, you like this one more than army of the dead. You said army of thieves. Army of Dead, yeah, sorry. I loved Army of Thieves more than Army of the Dead. Okay, and I was going to say, I did like it more, too. Um, I At first, I wasn't sure, but they did, you know what? They fleshed out this character enough that I was like, oh, okay. Like, I get why people like him now. Because, like, in the in the first movie, I didn't really, because everyone's like, oh, one of the best characters, and he, you don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, spoiler alert, he might still actually be alive and be in the sequel. Um, but... So I wasn't sure. I'm like, is this going to work? Is this going to be some... But it really did work. It works. It fleshes out the character. It's got a nice screenplay. It's like... It's basically a heist movie uh, set amongst a zombie movie. It's kind of like how Army of the Dead is, I guess. That's what that is, too. But this is like a pre-heist movie set in before a zombie apocalypse. I don't know. So I guess they're basically the same plot now that I'm thinking about it. But this one does it a lot better. Yeah. They reference the events of what's happening in uh, Las Vegas. Yes, yes. During, so yeah, there's definitely uh, some zombie action going, and then he's got the uh, the dreams or the nightmares, if you will. Yes, I will say yes. There are a couple zombie moments, but don't get don't be like, oh, it's a prequel to a zombie movie. This is not a zombie movie. This is this is a heist film, and it's a character study on on Dieter's character. We get to know him a lot more. Um, it, it's well directed by Schweighoffer himself. Uh, it just, it's, it's compelling. You know, it's one of those things that I wasn't sure what to expect if I was going to like it or not. 
Um, but I really did enjoy it, and I agree with you, Wayne. I enjoyed it more than Army of the Dead. I was not a huge fan of that one. I thought it was okay. I think when we reviewed it, we were a little bit more favorable. But as time goes on with these things, uh, with movies in general, you you let things sink in a little more. And you're like, you know what? I really didn't care for that that much. Um, there were elements of Army of the Dead I did like, but for the overall, it just wasn't as good. This, I felt like, was because the story was more confined, it worked a lot better. And um, I really cared about the two characters, where in Army of the Dead, there's so many characters, you don't really get to know any of them. So I think this one did a good job at introducing us, reintroducing us to Dieter, um, like a Dieter that we didn't know, and then introducing us to these new characters, so much so that, like, I heard, because they just announced they're going to make uh, Planet of the Dead, which is going to be the sequel to Army of the Dead. I'm like, get Dieter, get N- uh, Natalie Emanuel back in this movie so they can meet up and we can get that chemistry again. Because their chemistry together was really good. And I would like to see a sequel. You're not going to get an Army of Thieves direct sequel, but to be a see them both in the next uh, Dead sequel, I think would be pretty sweet. Absolutely. All right, Wayne. So where do you rate this one out of ten? I'm giving this one another eight and a half. All right. I, I think I'm going to go a little lower, and I'm going to say like a seven out of ten. But I still, oh. I still really enjoyed it. So uh, it, it's definitely something if you're. Interesting. Even if you haven't watched Army of the Dead, you know what? Watch this one first, then, and then go watch Army of the Dead, because um, you it definitely works as a prequel. It ends basically right where his story begins in Army of the Dead, uh, so it 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 works in that sense. Um, yes. All right. So the next one, our last one that we're going to talk about this week, has the same name as another movie we already talked about. Uh, it is called Posse, and it's from nineteen seventy five. And this is one I just kind of, you know, I knew we were doing Western, so I wanted to see what was out there that I hadn't seen. And while there are a bunch of other movies I've heard of that, you know, we could have talked about, I hadn't really heard much about this one. Um, It's directed by Kirk Douglas, starring Kirk Douglas. Uh, Also Bruce Dern, Bo Hopkins, James Stacey, Luke Luke Eskew, Eskew, um, and David Canary. It is the story of a man who is a U.S. Marshal who's running for office. And he thinks that if he catches the uh, infamous train robber Jack Strawhorn, that he's going to be a shoe in to win the election. A lot of other people think this as well. Um, he's running to be U.S. Senator. And so he's made it his mission to capture, basically to kill all of Strawhorn's game, but then to capture Strawhorn, played by Bruce Dern, um, and make a big spectacle about it. And, uh, you know, this is a movie that takes a couple twists and turns, too. I wasn't I wasn't sure what to expect. I guess I expected a straight-up Western, but it's not really what it is. Um, I would say, like, the the uh, protagonist changes by the time the movie comes to an end, Wayne. It's, it's definitely a political satire, too, at times. Because uh, it, it, it deals a lot with, like, the cutthroat business of politics... It definitely fits into the landscape of what's going on in today's political realm. So It does. And that was all inc- uh, accidental or incidental, whatever. Because I did not think that it... You know, again, I didn't know much about this movie, but I was like, oh, Kirk Douglas, it's got pretty good reviews. I love Bruce Dern. Um, been a fan of his ever since The Burbs. Um, but this movie, I, I really kind of liked it. It was... it subverts things a lot because you get the villain who in this one you know a lot of the it 
I, I want to say, like, in, like, a lot of the, like, 70s, 80s, and 90s westerns, we're rooting for the villains, right? Those are, like, our heroes. But mm-hmm. in the 50s and 60s, I feel like a lot of the westerns and even the 40s, the villains were the villains. You know, you rooted for the good guys. John Wayne was usually always a good guy. So what Kirk Douglas did, because he grew up in that time, came up in the Hollywood that time, he took that type of western, but then flipped it around. So I can't pinpoint, like, if this is where, like, the first time that we rooted for the bad guy or or what. But, like, Kirk Douglas really is the villain of this movie. He doesn't care who he hurts, who gets in his way. Where Bruce Dern, similar to Cherokee Bill in uh, um, The Harder They Fall, is, like, doesn't want to kill people, but is also not going to let someone kill him. Like, Early when he's when he's breaking out of the prison, Wayne, when the sheriff comes upon him, or when he's leaving that town, and the sheriff is like, because he comes to town, he kills that guy, and then the sheriff is like, hey, you better stop, and he's like, hey man, I could kill you, or you could just put your gun down and walk away. Well, of course the sheriff being, you know, oh, I'm a man, I'm going to do it, doesn't put his gun down, and so he kills him. So it kind of gives you that whole sense of like, He's not as bad as you think he is. He's still a bad guy, but he's not the criminal they make him out to be. And I think it makes Bruce Dern a much more likable character than Kirk Douglas's character, who by the end of the movie is like screaming at the locals to like, you know, you guys better help me or what, or, you know, what all those things I've done for you and stuff like that. And very, um, just not, not very heroic, basically. And that's who they wanted to be their, you know, their senator or whatever. So I think this one is just, it was really interesting to me to see a movie from this time that's a Western, that's a political satire. You got a lot of political satires from the 70s and stuff, obviously like after Watergate and the 60s and all that shit. So it wasn't uncommon, but it was interesting to me to see it like disguised as a Western. So what are your thoughts on, on this version, on this posse, Wayne? It was interesting. I think that, like you said, it's it's unique to see something with this type of what storyline or what the message that it's trying to deliver. And I give it credit for that. I just, I don't know. I didn't love it, but okay. I saw it and I respect the, the filmmakers for trying it. You know, that could make sense. And I don't know if it's just because of the political landscapes that everybody's trying to make everything one side or the other that it just rubs me the wrong way. But Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, didn't hit the mark for me. Cool. All right. So, what would you rate it then? Um, five and a half. Okay. And I see. I would give it a solid seven. I I enjoyed it. I think it just it surprised me uh, more so than what it was about. Um, so yeah, I dug it. I definitely think if it's something you're interested in, head over to Amazon Prime. That's where it's at right now. Check it out. All right. So we're gonna get into uh, the news and notes. Anything else you want to talk about, Wayne? Something you've watched this week that you want to bring up? No, but I am so very excited for the Dexter Revival. Episode one is tonight. Yes, oh, that's right. I will not get to watch it tonight because I will be watching Yellowstone, hopefully. Um, So Yellowstone season four returns, uh, comes back tonight, or for the first time. It starts tonight, I should say. Uh, Yellowstone season four starts tonight, and I'm really excited for that. That's a great show if you haven't seen it. Um yeah, you should be watching it. I did start the series Atlanta that I mentioned um, before. Uh, with Zazie Beetz is in it and Donald Glover and Lakeith Stanfield, actually. And um, 
Brian Tyree Henry, also one of the main characters. I did go see Eternals last night. I really liked it, even though the critics seemed not to like it as much. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Uh, not the best Marvel movie, but still a lot of fun. And it's got Angelina Jolie in it, so. Uh, we, went to, we went to the drive-in. So, all right. So, news uh, this week. Boondock Saints 3-Wayne is officially happening. Uh, Troy Duffy apparently is allowed back in Hollywood. And uh, the two stars are also returning. Um, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus. So interesting. That'll be very interesting. Host director Rob Savage will direct Stephen King's The Boogeyman for the big screen. Jeffrey Donovan of Burn Notice to lead the Law and Order revival. I like Burn Notice a lot, so I'm excited for that. Chris Pratt to voice Garfield now too, on top of already voicing Mario. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is teaming with Guy Pearce for new action thriller The Interpreter. Benedict Cumberbatch to play murdered KGB agent in HBO miniseries. Landon or London grad, uh, Sophia Batella to star in Zack Snyder's rebel moon for Netflix. That's his, uh, star Wars script that they didn't want to use. Uh, Gal Gadot to play evil queen and snow white live action, uh, remake for Disney broken lizard, developing hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, satire, Sophia Vergara to play drug kingpin Griselda Blanco in Netflix limited series titled Griselda. Downey Jr. and Matt Damon being considered to join Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer film from director Christopher Nolan. Mel Gibson to star in Boys of Summer as aging detective who helps the boys hunt down a supernatural entity. Gael Garcia Bernal set to star in Disney Plus's Marvel Halloween special. He is rumored to be playing the character Werewolf by Night. That is yet to be confirmed, though. Jeremy Irons and Tobin Bell to star in Darren Lynn Bousman's next film, Cello. Ariana Grande and Cynthia Irvio have been cast as Glenda the Good Witch and the Wicked Witch of the West in the Wicked movie from director John M. Chu. That's the musical that everyone saw on Broadway called Wicked. Uh, so it's going to finally be a movie. I've, I never saw the, the Broadway show, so we'll, we will uh, probably watch it for this podcast because I'm interested. Uh, Daniel Day Kim to play uh, Fire Lord Ozai in Netflix Avatar Last Airbender TV series. Kim Cottrell is going to play the older Hillary Duff on How I Met Your Father series at Hulu. Emilio Estevez is out of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers as he seemingly would not admit whether he would get vaxxed or not. Uh, so that's something that's going on through Hollywood. Uh, actors along with um, crew members are, at, are being asked to be vaccinated as long as if they're working on the main set. Uh, and a lot of studios are turning people away. And uh, Emilio was negotiating with them and he didn't seem to be going anywhere, so Disney walked away from negotiations. So who knows? That could change. He could change his tune. Um, he is a main character of that franchise, obviously. But interesting that they just said, you know what? Never mind. Uh, let's see. Kira Knightley. Uh, release is coming up. Kira Knightley horror comedy Silent Night hits theaters and AMC Plus December 3rd. A Boy Called Christmas with Kristen Wiig, uh, Michael Huseman, Sally Hawkins, and, and more hits Netflix. Uh, November 24th, 8-Bit Christmas starring Neil Patrick Harris hits HBO Max on November 24th. Uh, Swan Song starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Glenn Close, and Aquafina hits Apple Plus and Theaters December 17th. Deaths this last week, Dean Shek Tin, Chinese actor, dead at 71. And unfortunately, um, an actor, Wayne, that you and I uh, know very well, William Lucking, who played Piney from Sons of Anarchy, passed away at the age of 80. 
Uh, so rest in peace to both of those actors. Obviously, William Lucking, if you're a uh, Sons of Anarchy fan, Piney became uh, you know a very lovable character, I think, in his own right. Uh, Opie's dad on the show. Um, it's yep. uh, something to, you know, kind of think about, like, these actors we like are getting older. And, you know, they're going to die at some point. So, but there's another one. So, uh, rest in, again, rest in peace to both those actors. Um, thank you for listening, everybody, to our show. We appreciate it every week. Um, we uh, Over the last month, we had, I think, 500 uh, downloads, which is impressive considering it took us a year and two months to get 1,000 downloads. So to get 500, and I think it was from the end of September to the end of October, uh, it was pretty good. So I don't know what that means, you know, number-wise. But for us, it's impressive. Um, I don't know why our numbers went up so much. but All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to Now Showing with Mike and Wayne. See you next week.